Hi, Greg Perry, the historic preservationist. Uh, welcome to episode 264. I'm um, just uh, going to probably start here by just uh, an episode, a quick episode talking about the early houses of, of America. And let's, um, let's just put our minds up into that Plymouth, Massachusetts area, some of the first settlers to, uh, to land here in the colonies going back into the early 17th century. And what has to remember, remember is that a lot of these individuals landed in, in the fall. Um, the first settlers came in the fall and when they landed on the shores, there was nowhere to hide, essentially, when they got off the, the quote, ship. So it was a scramble. It was a scramble to build anything, Quonset-type huts to, to live in. But let's just talk, let's get beyond that. I mean, once everyone just got basically settled with some kind of a roof over their head, um, it was uh, not even a, a, a timber frame house. There was no tools. Tools had to be made if they didn't have the tools with them. And uh, they would use somewhat uh, uh, very crude cut clabbered after they started cutting wood and uh, nailing it together. And uh, keep in mind, there was a dirt floor. So you'd have like a, just picture a one room building with a dirt floor and you would create a fire right in the center of the floor and you sleep around it. And up near the top of the ridge or the ends of the, the eaves, you would have openings for the smoke to go out. So you're literally intoxicating yourself to an extent by keeping yourself warm. You do your cooking in there, your own individual fire. And, uh, you know, so what we would, you would go out into the field after you, um, you would actually cut down trees to make, say, the four corner post of the house. And just imagine it, four um, six inch, uh, five inch trees that were straight, cut all the branches off. And then from there, you would get, you know, possibly four inch branch stock going out, cutting them down. And they would be your horizontals that would tie in the top of the four post. And you'd be tying with reeds and things like this. And, and then you got your basic structure and you would attach clabber to the outside. Um, you know, sometimes you put wattle and daub inside uh, to keep, you know, as an insulating factor to keep the air out from the... I mean, it must have been an absolute sieve with just the siding on. And then again, back to the wood floor. This eventually developed into a, a brick floor when bricks started to be made. And, you know, 50 years down the line, you had a wooden floor when the house became more as we know it in the 18th century. But going back to these originals, so we have our basic structure with a very rough um, sawn clabber, clabbered, on the outside, and it's not clabbered like it's like freeform clabbered is what we have. And as far as the roof goes, you would find go out and get an, for your ridge, for your ridge, uh, your ridge stock. You'd find maybe a three, four inch, uh, small tree and put up there, and then you you get rafters two, three inches, and you drop it down to the, the top of the uh, the frame. And uh, you would try to get thatch and you'd make a thatch roof. And thatch would be tied into bundles first and then tied onto the roof, tied around the rafters, actually using a, a large needle. You'd have someone on the upside of the roof and someone on the inside piercing through the thatch with a needle and you tie it around the rafters and put the needle back up and using various type vines to do this. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, to keep that 
you know, the ridge, the ridge timber, the ridge piece of stock up there, you would just go out and find two branches that were as high as the, the highest point of your ridge and like a branch that would be, uh, you know, uh, branching out to its Y or its first crotch. And maybe, maybe this piece is three, four, five inches. And that would literally support your ridge that, you know, it's almost custom made in the forest for your, for your location. So these were the early, early houses in America. We're talking about vernacular. So, uh, but uh, what a what a hell of a contrast can I say? I, uh, out on doing a clock delivery um, in the past week, up in the northeast Pennsylvania in the Allentown area, a place I hadn't been in in several years. It used to be fields and orchards, and now it's probably eight square miles of housing developments, and there may be six to eight different developments in here. Anywhere from what they call townhomes, you know, townhomes, I call them row homes in Philadelphia, but they call, you know, as we call them today, townhomes, um, to retirement homes. Some of these are huge, three, 4,000 feet, people retiring to those, but with all the convenience of people taking care of you in these areas. And then you have your mega McMansions and things like that. So all these different, quote, developments of and, and, you know, forgive us out there, but these are just cheaply made houses. You can call them what you want. You can put a price tag of two or three or 400,000, but they're just made of, they're made of particle board and, and, and chipboard and, and they're just cheaper than cheap. And they're all made of petroleum. The majority of the products in these houses are petroleum based. So we can't seem to get away from petroleum in this country, can't wait for our housing. So we could if we wanted to. But just imagine all this stuff gassing off, and I understand the reduction of formaldehyde used in building products several years ago. Um, but just just imagine even in all these glues that are in the houses and the carpets and the um, imagine the new type mattresses, all these ridiculous foams and memory foams and and sleep member all these things. They're just gassing and gassing, and people are sleeping on these, inhaling these intoxicants, these carcinogens. So, uh, so I, I just, you know, we come up with the term of uh, being in this. So my GPS couldn't even get me around to where I was having a clock delivery. It was confused of this massive stuff, massive plastic and petroleum-based houses. So we're going to call it, as, as a kid, I used to put models together. Let's call it Plasticville, USA, the American housing development. So what a sad thing, but boy, we like our plastic fences, our plastic shutters, our plastic siding, all of the different uh, glues we're using inside and uh, just a st sad state of affairs, you know. Uh, I understand all houses can't be made out of wood, but uh, we're, we're doing a lot of damage to the people that live in these for all the off-gassing too. So it's not just... Um, you know, increasing the carbon f footprint on all these houses. We're so worried about the automobile. Let's look at all this, this garbage we're putting into the building of these homes, seriously. And it's not only that, look, it's raping. It's raping fields and orchards and forests and trees and, you know, taking trees out that are giving us needed oxygen and inhaling carbon dioxide. And, uh, you know, it just, it, it led me to think back of, um, the historic houses that, that are in Salem County th talking about, say, the, like the Shivers house and actually think that the fa that house, the oldest part of that house is, is 
New Jersey's oldest colonial tavern, going back to 1669. Just think about it. That timber is intact. That oak timber from its tannins, it's resistant to to fungi and to, to molds and to rot. I mean, not totally, but for the most part. And just imagine every piece of material in there is old. It's 253, 350 years old. And it lived. Each piece of material in that house lived. Even the roof lived. The wood on the roof lived, except for the stone foundation. And it's absolutely amazing when you look at look at it that way. And uh, you know, because I was, uh, I mean, uh, wood has been my life, and whether it's in in cabinetry, uh, building building high end uh, reproductions for many years, or restoring um, furniture from around the world now, and and historic preservation architecture. So wood's been my life, and and you start comparing artists that do certain things, you know. And uh, so nobody get mad at me out there, but I mean, just we've talked a lot about glass on the program, uh, some of our episodes, but glass is something that occurs from taking another product, sand and, and a various mixture, melting it. So it's not an original, it wasn't a live product, it wasn't a breathing projects product. So this, these houses, these timber frame, the very few that are left in the country in America were living and breathing. Of, of wood cells and it's just amazing when you think where were they in the forest who cut them down and uh, so just just a lot of amazing things but um, you know some states will have moratorium on turning farmland and forest into housing developments but there's uh, I'm just not picking on Pennsylvania there's places like in a Washington Township New Jersey and around Swedesboro that's just littered with these these cheap houses that they put huge price tags on. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's very sad. But, I mean, if you look at the, you know, you look at the amount of chemicals that are being released, there's certain ways of measuring this over these housing developments. It is all, you become awestruck about this. It's almost like, you know, people that have to have a new car every year. Can you imagine if you're a commuter every, uh, every day for an hour or two a day and you have a new updated car all the time? I mean that new car every two and three years old. You're you're inhaling such contaminants, some such carcinogens. Um, I'd rather be in a 1968 car. It hasn't always been my choice that way. But when I start thinking about all these health hazards that's involved, so. But anyway, uh, I, I think it's taken us around. But what the main point of uh, t- this episode was to talk about those early, um, early housing. The first housing in America, but Plymouth, Massachusetts. Again, wattle and daub, dirt floors, fire inside. Um, you know the construction of thatch on the roof, how it was needled through, um, and and just branch stock essentially um, holding, maintaining the frame structure of the roof and putting the roof up. And again, it was all about you need shelter quickly because you just landed on the shores. There's no place to hide, and that was the that was the mantra. So. Uh, Greg Perry, the historic preservationist, signing out. Hope everyone enjoyed it.